0: Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we honor you and we adore you. And Lord, as we open your word together, we ask that you would speak to us. Speak those words of eternal life. Plant those seeds within us. As you go out as the sower to scatter this morning, May you find good soil within us. That those seeds may take root and bear fruit and and a rich harvest of a hundredfold in our lives. Lord, we're not interested in hearing the words of David today. We want the words, Holy Spirit, that come from you. So prepare our hearts and our minds to receive today. Lord, we're hungry for you. Speak, for we ask this in the name of Jesus. I love worship, don't you? I love singing praises to God. Doesn't matter if you don't know the language. Doesn't matter if you don't know the songs. Just come back from Sri Lanka. Their language is just a whole load of little circles. Means absolutely nothing. But you know what? It doesn't matter because when you're worshiping, you just worship and you sing your own song to the Lord. And I want us to explore over the next few weeks. I want us to deepen. I want God to deepen within us an understanding of worship. We've been thinking about prayer and how we pray like Jesus. But worship is Worship and prayer are so intertwined together. Worship, praise is the kind of the, it's, it's the thing that sows, that gets the soil ready within our lives. You know, if we don't come into the house of the Lord, if we don't meet God right, if we don't worship Him, in spirit and in truth, as he says in John's gospel, then we'll never grow into the full potential of what he wants us to be. And so we want to look at worship together. And Lord, as we do that, teach us to worship afresh. Take us on a journey to discover a new experience and a new dimension of worship. As over the next few weeks we look in your words prepare us lord so that we may be different at the end of this journey than we are today worship what is worship well worship worship's not just music it's not just singing We call it a worship service, but worship is so much more. Remember when Ronnie came to uh, interview us, one of the questions he he had, or one of the things we talked about was worship. He's a worship pastor. Seemed natural. What do you understand by worship? He asked us that question. I remember Ronnie said, worship is 24-7. Worship is not just Sunday morning. Worship is what you do on Monday morning. Worship is what you do when you wake up tomorrow morning. Worship is what you do while you're brushing your teeth or while you're having a shower. Worship is what you do when you're cooking your supper. Worship is 24-7. That's worship. And we need to understand, we need to deepen our understanding of worship. Somebody described, actually Webster's Dictionary years ago, described worship like this. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. It's a great definition of worship. Worship our uh, worship is to honor God with an extravagant love and an extreme submission. Worship is to honor God with an extravagant love and an extreme. Submission. What's an extravagant love? Extravagant love is when you're in love, isn't it? You know, when you have new lovers together, they worship one another. You know what it's like? I've got a friend of mine. He's just fallen in love again. You know what that means? That means he's texting and he's Whatsapping and he's skyping at like 11, 12 o'clock at night. He's skyping way past the time where he should be fast asleep, so that when he goes to work the next day, he actually has a little bit of energy within him. But he can't do that because she's at the other end of the phone, and she's doing the same thing. And what do they do? They're they're, they're talking about everything and nothing, I guess. Late 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 into the night. It never seems to end. You thought by now they would have run out of things to talk about. Because, you know, it's 24-7. It's every day. I mean, what is there to talk about? I have no idea. And so then they wake up in the morning. Oh, did you have a good night's sleep? I had a good night's sleep. How are you today? What's your day like? They're texting away. Let me send little messages throughout the day, just in case you've forgotten my name by now. You know, they're there texting away and What's happening each other every five minutes? What are we meeting tonight? Yeah, let's meet tonight. Oh, let's do this. Yeah. So much more we need to share. Well, you've been to work, you had lunch, you came home again. What is that? That's extravagant love. That's the kind of love that we are to have when we worship God. But it goes with extreme submission. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the one that needs to lead us and tell us what we are to do. And we say, yes, Lord. Whatever you ask, that's what we'll do. Worship is to honor God, to raise God up. We lift you higher and higher and higher. How? Not just with our song- singing, but with our extravagant love and with our extreme Submission. John 4, verse 23, it says, Yet a time is coming and has now come, Jesus says, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in Spirit and in truth. So, worship is not something we just do in here, it's not just a Sunday thing, it's 24 7. You worship God as much tomorrow as you will do today. Let me read you a bit bigger of a definition where this definition is described. It said this, Worship is not the slow songs that the choir sings or the band sings. Worship is not the amount that you place in the offering basket. Worship is not volunteering in... Sunday streams, but they may be expressions of worship. But they don't define what true worship is. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. True worship, in other words, they say, is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through our lifestyle of holiness. Thus, if your lifestyle doesn't express the beauty of holiness through an extravagant or exaggerated love for God, then you do not live in extreme or excessive submission to God. Then you do not truly worship. Worship is the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. You see, worship, true worship, placing God number one in our list of priorities, it ushers us into the very presence of God. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Exodus And I want to look this morning at three different levels of worship. Three different levels of worship. And as we go through these three levels, I want you to think about yourself, examine yourself. Lord, search me and know me. Help me to see me honestly for who I am today. And lead me on this journey. Exodus 33. Beginning at verse 7, it says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go into the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went into the tent... All the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You get the picture. The picture here is that the people of Israel are all camped. Tents are everywhere, okay? Thousands of them everywhere. And outside of that, Moses pitched this one tent called the tent of meeting. And if you wanted to know something from God, you would go to that tent. And you would go in there and you say, Lord... I'm having problems with my wife. What do I do? And probably the Lord would say, David, more like the wife, Enoch is having problems with you. It's not you with her. This is what you need to do, right? Lord, I don't know what's next to do with this church that you've called me to lead. What do I do? And Jesus would answer. God would answer. Moses would go in there and say, Lord, these people are grumbling again. They're complaining. They don't like their manner out. What am I going to do? And the Lord says, okay, I'll give you meat. So he would go out and tell the people, this is what you need to do. It would be like if God is here in this sanctuary. He is here. But like if you want an answer to a question, any question about your life, Lord, what do I do in my business? What do I do in my family situation? What do I do with my friend? Lord, help me in this situation. You will come here to the sanctuary and you would come up to the, the cross here, and you say, Lord, what do I do? And Jesus would answer you directly, and then you'd go home. Wouldn't that be cool? And when I come, somehow the, uh, you'd probably, the smoke system alarm would go off, right? And, and a big cloud comes down upon it, and you go, oh my goodness, I think the pastor's just getting fried. So you'll stand there worshiping, Lord, please, please, please. And then when I come out, you go, thank you. Thank you, Lord, you've rescued him again. But that's what it was like. So there'll be a steady stream of people going to the tent. You could go to the tent and receive from God. That's the description that we see here. And Moses would go in and inquire, and God would speak to him face to face. Tell him what he needed to do. Lord, I'm here again. David, this is what you need to do. Go do it. Then you go off and do it, and you come back. Lord, I'm here again. This is what you need to do. Go do it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Would you like a life like that? Well, there's three people that would. Wouldn't you? Yes. The only problem is that if the situation happened at 3 o'clock in the morning... It would be a little bit inconvenient, wouldn't it? Oh, man, I have to go now. Who's got the keys? Who's got the keys? We'd have to issue everyone with a set of front door keys, wouldn't we? So that you could come in any time of the day or night. Because I'm not having you come round to the manse going, David, David, David. You know, it'd be like Big Bang Theory with Sheldon, you know. David, David, David. I need the keys. I need the keys, you know. Like, no, 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 no. You know. So we'd have to issue everyone with keys so that you could come in. And if you live further away, I'd be like, oh, Lord, can it wait till morning? It's cold out there. It's horrible. And if you don't have your own car, what are you going to do? Public transport stops. doesn't run at three o'clock in the morning. It'll be a long walk to come and inquire of the Lord. But there are some people for who that's what their worship is like. That's their Christian life. You know, they come to God every time there is a difficulty and a challenge in their life. Lord, here I am again. I'm sorry I haven't been very faithful in coming into your presence. I'm sorry I haven't gone to church recently, but i got this problem. Please fix it for me. And then the Lord shows them and speaks to them out of his graciousness, and they go away again, and they go off and they do their own thing. And then they get into another problem, and they come back, and they go, oh, Lord, sorry, it's me again. Do you remember me? I came here about six months ago. I'm sure you remember me because you've you've got that kind of memory. You created me, so you must know me anyway. Uh, I, I promise, and they make deals with God too. You know those deal kind of people? Lord, if you fix this problem for me, I promise I will be in church every single Sunday to worship you. Because they're not. They just wait for the answer, and then they go off and they do their own thing again. But that's like the tent of meeting. You go there, you've got a problem. You go there, you get it fixed. You come away again. Thank you very much. Sorted. There are many, many believers like that. Many. They may be in church every single Sunday. But it's there not because... It's there because they do it out of a duty. They do it out of... This is just what I do. But Monday through Saturday, they're a different kind of person. Even when they set foot outside the door. Sometimes being a pastor is so discouraging. Do you know that? You can preach, you preach about the peace of God, and you go out there and you have coffee and you hear people arguing with one another, and you just think, Well, Lord, were they not listening? You know, those are the kind of people at that level, but you know, Moses had that. But look at what he says that's the first level. But Moses said to the Lord, verse 12, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know to whom you'll send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If I have found favor in your eyes, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. You see, the second reality of God's presence is that continual presence. Here it manifests itself in peace, but he's saying to Moses, Moses, you know you come to the tent to meet in, but now I am going to go with you. I will be with you the whole time. I have promised never to leave you, never forsake you. Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I go down to the depths, you are there. If I travel to the furthest east or the furthest west, you're there. God's presence is with us wherever we go. Do you remember what he says in Deuteronomy? I have commanded you, be strong and courageous, for I, the Lord, your God, am with you wherever you go. And he reiterated that to Joshua in Joshua 1.9. Be strong. I've commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because there's a new level. You don't just come to me when you've got a problem. I'll tell you what to do and you go away again. My presence, my Holy Spirit, my presence is going to be with you wherever you go. So when you have difficulties, I'm going to be there right in the middle of it. You don't have to come away. You don't have to drive in your car, or come to the sanctuary and get it. I'm there with you. I'm right there in the middle of it all. I'm never going to leave you. He's there with us. It's that special presence of God. Jesus said it in Matthew 28. As you are going, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you to the very end of the age he's there he's with us yes we come to worship but we come to worship him to acknowledge who he is and to give him praise and glory as brothers and sisters in Christ but is Christ spirit more with us in here than he is when you're having a shower later or in bed tonight or at work tomorrow no He's with you wherever you go. It's the same. If you're down at Starbucks on Tuesday morning, God's presence is there. If you're in Tesco's doing your shopping on Wednesday morning, God's presence is there. It's no different. Because He said, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And there's a spiritual awakening that needs to happen within us. To recognize, to understand, to experience that presence within us. So that we know that whatever we face, he's there right next to us. But then Moses carries on and he says, If your presence does not go up with us, do not send me up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me unless your pe- and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses moves up to the third level. He says, verse 18, now show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord says, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you. With my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you must not see. There are times in our life, like Moses there, where we experience an increased presence of God. When Jesus was with his disciples, he was with them all the time, right? Three years, three and a half years. Traveled there. They saw him when he woke up every morning. They saw him when he went to sleep every night. They saw him while he was doing ministry. They saw him in the mundane things too. And then one day, Jesus said, Peter, John, come with me. We're going up a mountain. And they went up to the top of that mountain, and what happened? What happened? Jesus was transfigured. They saw his glory for the very first time. They saw Jesus as he truly is. The Jesus that we will see, that we can not see in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. They were shown something, they experienced something that was so special, so amazing, they didn't really have words to even describe what it was. It was so amazing that Peter said, Oh, I I don't want to go away from here. Let's just build some houses and stay up here. Because this is amazing. I mean, I know it's amazing having your presence with us all the time, but this is something unique. This is something extra. That's the third level of worship. When God lifts you up into those moments where the glory of God shines all around you, Now let me give you a word of warning. There are many people out there or some people out there who are kind of like spiritual adrenaline junkies. You know what I mean? You you know those that go, uh, you know, in a fun fair? Like, uh, you know, if you go to Alton Towers or something. You know those scariest rides that kind of drop down and, you know? People kind of think it's fun to have your stomach kind of come up into your chest and come back down again. And then up into your mouth and it kind of pours out your nose a little bit and then you gotta kind of keep it down because you can't show anybody else. You know what I mean? And as soon as they get off one of those rides, they go, whoa, that was awesome. And they start queuing up for the next, you know, hour and a half for the next two-minute rides, right? You know what I'm talking about. There are spiritual adrenaline junkies like that. They go from conference to conference, from big event to big event. They go around trying to find that moment when the glory of God passes them by. Now, let me tell you something. That is one way to be seriously disappointed. Because those moments, that extra level that God gives you comes out of a journey of faith a journey of consistency with Jesus. Moses was offered that because he had God's presence with him walking day by day. And when you have the presence of God walking with you day by day, sometimes God orchestrates an amazing special moment where he reveals his glory in a unique way. But don't go seeking the glory without the presence. Don't do that because it's a- it's got no foundation. It's got no structure around it. It's built on the wrong thing. Allow God to bring those moments into your life because you have his presence there with you. Focus on deepening that presence Don't focus on those special moments. They will come, but they come out of a life, a journey of presence with Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? No? Do you understand? Don't go for the extreme. That's not to say you don't go to conferences, right? But if your life is consisting of going to conference after conference after conference to meeting, to weekends away, after weekend, after way, just because you want that kind of feel-good factor. You want, God, do something to me now. You do it to the person next to me and the person over here. Now do it to me, Lord, and you go away disappointed because God seems to pass you by. You do it. You go to those conferences because the Lord allows you to, on the journey, but focus on the journey. Focus on His presence with you. Those are the moments then he will give you new revelation and new insight. So how do we we then focus on his presence? My presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. How do we focus on that? There's one key. Verse 13, he says, If I have found favor in your eyes, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Teach me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor with you. Now, Moses knew God, didn't he? He was going into the tent of meeting. God was telling him what to do. How can he say, know me then? He said, I want, he was basically saying, Lord, I want more of you. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I know I go into the tent of meeting. And when I go there you tell me what to do. But I want more than you just telling me what to do. I want a relationship with you that goes way beyond that. I want a relationship with you where I can share, where I can be, where you can feed me, not just use me to feed the people. I want to I have a hunger for you, Lord. Teach me. Psalm 42, verse 1 As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. It's that hunger that you have. We were away last week, and uh, there's one amazing seafood restaurant in Sri Lanka, in Colombo. We've been doing ministry in the evening, and um, it took quite a while. And so then one of the elders of the church said, I'm going to take you for dinner. They eat really late there. Um, Shall I really irritate you? It was 35 degrees. We were frozen when we got back to England. So he said, like, uh, I'm going to take you for dinner. Let's go for dinner. And he was going to take us all the way down to Gaul to to the ocean front down in the south. But it was too late. We spent too long doing ministry. So he said, like, We'll make a reservation at the Lagoon Restaurant in in Colombo. Seafood restaurant. Now, some of you know I'm allergic to seafood, right? Last time I had seafood here, I was in Northwick Park Hospital. They said the guy's having a heart attack, right? And I was there, monitored up, not good. I didn't say anything because I thought, you know, one, Inika was going, seafood, yes, praise <laughs> the Lord. Oh, I love seafood. She loves seafood, right? And we hardly have seafood at home because I can't eat it. So she's like, oh, this is an answer to all my prayers. Fresh seafood from around Sri Lankan coast, the best seafood restaurant in the whole of Sri Lanka. And we're we go going, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope they've got some lettuce or something I can eat, you know? And we walk in there and there's this bar that's kind of like a mile long full of the biggest seafood you've seen in your life, right? As I said at the early so even the prawns look like mini poodles, right? That's how big they were, right? There's just fresh seafood on ice. And I'm like going, oh, man. And I'm like, my eyes were just going boom, right? What would you like, he said. Um, Enoch said, Well, he, he really can't eat seafood. Oh, well, they kind of do some meats here, they said. Now, you don't go to a seafood restaurant to have a good steak, do you? Right? It just, it just doesn't work. So I'm standing there, I'm thinking, and I'm looking at this lobster, horse sized lobster, right? I'm going, Oh, I'm dying. I haven't eaten for hours. Because we were doing ministry, and I, I don't eat before we do ministry. and So I'm hungry inside. I'm starving inside. It's 10 o'clock at night. I haven't eaten for hours and hours since, really, breakfast time. And I'm looking at this lobster. I love lobster, but lobster doesn't love me. And he's going like, what, what, do, you, what do you want? No, don't. And oh. I went, I love the lobster. And I went, Lord, there's a healing service in two days. You just got to last me till two days. Then I'll go to the miracle and healing service and, and hopefully I'll, you know. So, I think, you want prawns with your lobster? Yeah, I'll have prawns, yeah. Put a couple of poodles on the plate as well. That'll do me. Now, my eyes were bigger than even my belly. This plate, huge. And then they ordered a whole load of other stuff in the middle, some more fish and other things. Calamari. I thought, oh, I'll have some of that as well. So, may as well, you know, if I'm going to die, I may as well die happy, mightn't I, you know. So, <laughs> I'm loading it on. Thankfully, Inika was down the other end of the table. So, she was just, every now and again, she was like looking at my plate. But you know what? I was so hungry. And I just wanted the most delicious food that was there. That is the kind of hunger that we should have for God. You know know those moments where your eyes are bigger than your belly? I came out of there and I'm going, oh, it hurts. You know when you stand up and you realize and you go, oh, I shouldn't have had that. You know, because they said, you want dessert? No, no, I couldn't manage another thing. Go on, let's have some chocolate ice cream and like, oh, if you insist. (laughs) You know, and you come out of there and you're absolutely stuffed. That's the kind of hunger that we need to have for God. That's what Moses had. Yeah, Lord, I meet you in the tent of meeting. I know that, but I want more than that. I want your presence with me. And Lord said, I want your presence. And then what did he say? I want more than that still. Show me your glory. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more of you. And the way your worship will increase, the way... God will reveal new things to you is related to the amount of hunger that you have for him. The level of your hunger for the Lord Jesus Christ either restricts or expands the amount that you will know about God, right? You get what I'm saying? If you don't have, if you have a kind of a You know those kind of like finger buffet kind of things? What's that all about, eh? You know those little bite size? I don't want a bite size, anything. You know, you don't even have to bite it. You just like swallow it straight down. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? If that's your hunger for God, if actually all you're you're okay, well, I go to church on a Sunday and I have a good time, you know, the, the band was great today, Pastor David was on fire, and yeah, it was good. And then you go away again, and that's it. Then you can't expect God to do very much in your life. What God will do in your life is directly linked to the hunger that you have for God. Why did God not get upset with Moses? Moses went in there and said, show me your glory, God because he saw it came out of a heart of Moses that says, God, I just want everything I can get of you. Lord, I love your presence. I love going to the tent of meeting. I love the Shekinah glory of God coming down and there we meet. Just And you talk to me like a friend. I love that. But Lord, I want more of you. I want to see your glory. I want to see everything there is to see about you. I want to know everything there is to know about you. I want so much more. I am hungry for your presence. If you want to grow in Jesus Christ, allow the hunger to grow within you. Show me. Teach me so that that hunger may grow. And then what does God say to him? He says, then come with me. And God leads him all the way over to some rock face somewhere or the other. And he hides him there. You Remember what I said a, a, a worship is? Extravagant love. And extreme obedience. If you have a hunger for God, if you want more of God today, He will lead you, but you have to be willing to follow. He'll say, Mike, then come follow me. I'm gonna show you new things. I'm gonna stretch you. I'm gonna put you in new places. Come follow me, I'm gonna place you in the cleft of this rock. And you may be going, hang on a minute, Lord. I don't really want to go all that way. I'm kind of tired, you know. What's all this about a rock? Why can't you just show me right here? But he won't do that. Do you remember Peter in the boat? When Jesus, after the feeding of the 5,000, do you remember Jesus goes off to pray and he says to his disciples, get in the boat, go over the other side of the ocean. So they're going over, a storm comes out and what's Jesus doing? He's taking the shortcut across the water. And they go, whoa, it's a ghost. And then they go, it's not a ghost. Jesus said it's me. And Peter says, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat. What does Jesus do? He says, come on in, come. At that moment, Peter has a choice, doesn't he? Whoa, I'm going to look like an idiot here. I'm going to set foot outside this boat. Like, you know, I, my mom and dad didn't teach me 101 water walking. You know, when I used to get in the bath in the, when I was a little kid, my parents didn't tell me how I could walk on top of the water. You know, I used to get wet. And when Jesus said to him, come, what's he doing? He was stretching him. He was expanding him. He was saying, you want to know more about me? You want to go deeper in your relationship with me? You hunger for more of me? Then come, get on that water. And Peter got out on the water and started to walk, and then he started to fear. We won't go into the rest of that, but God will always call you if you want more of Him, He will call you out from where you are. If you genuinely are hungry for Him, He will call you and He will stretch you, but through that stretching there will be a deepening of your worship to him. How does love grow? Love grows through experience. Love grows through hardship. Love grows through a whole variety of situations. Extravagant love of God grows in the same way. And he will call you and you need to have that extreme obedience to him. To say, Lord, I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to say too much about what happened last week. I will in a while, days to come. One of the things they asked me to do Last week, when we went to Sri Lanka, we went to Pastor Jerome's church. He's coming here in in a few weeks' time, so you need to put it in your diaries to come. But God has just blessed that ministry in that church. It's grown from about 50 people to over 4,000 people today in just about six years. It's incredible what God is doing there, and it stretches out right across the world. And when he invited us to come, I said, I want to come. and I want to just analyze the church, just see what you do, how you do it. And they graciously opened the doors and allowed myself and Inika just to see everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of life. But he said, like, do you want to minister? And I said, yeah, you decide. Looking back, that was kind of a risky thing to do. Because he said, uh, preach Sunday evening at the uh, sundown service for new believers. So I did that. That was fine. And uh, ministry time. And then he said, I want you to do the Wednesday night miracle deliverance and healing service. I said, yeah, I'm happy to preach. I can preach. I've got a thousand and one sermons. I can preach. No, no, don't just preach. You lead the miracle healing and deliverance part as well. And I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute. We don't don't really do that in Trinity Church in Harrow. I mean, I preach and then I pass it over to Ronnie and, you know, off you go, Ronnie. And I'm like, and this is a church where they have miracles happening week after week after week. On the Tuesday night we were there, a Buddhist guy was there the week before. He had an ulcerated leg. They prayed for him in the name of Jesus, and he came back the following week, said, my leg is completely healed. They showed a picture of the week before. The doctors said it would take years for it. He was an old man, years for that leg to heal up, and Jesus healed it like that. And he came back as a Buddhist to give testimony to Jesus Christ that Jesus had healed his leg. Now, that's cool. I love that. But then to be placed in charge of a miracle and healing service? And they said, yeah, and they expect you to do the healing. They expect you to lay hands on everybody that's there and to do all the ministry. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing to me? Preaching, yeah. Maybe if I'll just keep preaching, I'll keep preaching and preaching and preaching until we run out of time. What am I going to do? What, what happens if I lay hands on people? What, Lord, help. That was Jesus saying, David... You want to know me more? Trust me. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Get out of the boat, start walking on the water. And if you want to go deeper with Jesus, He will do the same to you. He will call you out of that boat, out of that security and that safety of what you know. And He will show you His glory but it will stretch you. So this morning I want to ask you, do you want to know him more? How hungry are you for Jesus Christ? How hungry? You know, God will leave you where you are if that's where you want to be. He's not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. He's so gracious. But he invites you to have a heart like Moses. That says, I can lead you to so much more. I can take you into somewhere so much deeper. I can reveal things to you. I can show you even my glory. I can give you those kind of experiences. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. If you want just a minuscule amount of life, that's what he'll give you. But if you want abundance then ask him to build the hunger within you. Say, Lord, make me discontent with where I am right now. I want more. I want more. I know I can come to the tent of meeting and hear from you, but Lord, I want more. I know your presence is going to go with me and I'm going to fill you and the peace of God will be part of my life, but Lord, I want more. I want those moments where I see your glory at work, where I see your transformational power flowing in me and through me into others. Lord, I want more. So where are you today? Because that is what worship is all about, extravagant love. An extreme submission do you want more of God if you want more of God then let's pray together in fact if you want more of God why don't you come down the front with me and let's pray the choice is yours Come because you think it's the right thing to do, or anybody else, or everybody else is coming. Come because in your heart you're saying, Lord, I want more of you. Whatever it takes, Lord, I want more of you. Wherever you're gonna stretch me, I will be obedient to you. However, you want to show your love in my life, that's where I want to go. I want more of you, Lord. I am not content. With where I am right now. I thank you for it. But Lord, there is so much more. I want more of you. Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now. And I ask that the power of your Holy Spirit will come down upon each one of them. Lord, search them and know them, see their hearts, see their desires. See the longing within them for you. Lord Jesus, we look to you. We look to your cross. Lord, on that cross, you forgave us for our limitations. On that cross, you died for all our mess, all our brokenness. And on that cross, you offered us more. And so, Lord, today we come before you as brothers and sisters in Christ, unique individuals. But we come to say, Lord, we want more of you. If you want to lead us into uncomfortable situations, we will go. If you want to lead us into those rock faces, we will go within us. See how much we desire you, how much we love you, how much we want you, Lord. Lord, and fill us to overflowing. Spirit of God, come down upon us right now and fill us, that we may that we may have everything that you have for us. Lord, we stand here together, saying we want more of you.